So uh, at first I thought it was National Left-Handed Sunday or something, right? When there's only one screen, but I don't think that's it. I think it's because we're all so disappointed that there was no snow today. Right? I mean, I was, I was anticipating looking out the window today and seeing snow on the last Sunday of April, but no, no snow. So here we are trying to find joy. Did you know sometimes it's a challenge to find joy? Uh, you know, when you say goodbye to good friends, when you're going through something hard in your own personal life. Um, Nancy and I are shopping for a house and we don't know uh, how much money we can spend. How much fun is that? Uh, you know, and, and trying to figure it out. And, um, and yet God is good, isn't he? He is good, and he can help us to find joy no matter what. So my favorite book of the Bible, is it okay to have a favorite? I mean, they're all good. So we all agree they're all good. But I really, really enjoy the, the ministry of the book of Philippians in my own life. Um, it has been uh, one that I kept going back to over and over and over. And so I, as I was praying and talking with Pastor Shane about um, the series is going to take us from now through the middle of June, I said, maybe we should do this one. How, what, what do you think? And the good thing about, one of the very good things about Pastor Shane is almost always he goes, that's a great idea. Buddy. And so, uh, so we're going to do the book of Philippians and along with some other biblical passages that teach us how to find joy no matter what. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to the book of Philippians. I know you have a Bible because there's one right in front of you. And uh, you might have brought one of your own. Either way, we're going to dig in and see what Scripture has to teach us about finding joy no matter what. The New Testament is the story of God's work in the early uh, first century, basically. The first four books of the Bible tell us the life of Jesus. And last Sunday, we celebrated the greatest Sunday of the year. We called it what? I want to make sure you're with me today. Okay. Uh, last Sunday was Easter. And on Easter, uh, not only did we have a full house, but God was in the house. And lives were changed forever. And so we're still celebrating the great things God did last week. And it's kind of like what happened in the early church. People were coming to faith. Their lives are being transformed. And so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John tell us the story of Jesus, his perfect life, his perfect sacrifice for the sins of the whole world on the cross. And then when he rose from the grave and everything was proven to be true, he is who he said he was and is, the one and only Son of God. Easter proves it's true. And then we have the rest of the story in the balance of the New Testament. The book of Acts, written by Luke, kind of the second part of his story. So Luke tells the story of Jesus, and then Acts tells the story of his followers. And as you read through the book of Acts, you discover that the first half, the leader of the early church after Jesus rose from the grave blessed his disciples and ascended into heaven. For the first half of the book of Acts, the leader of the early church is Peter. And we're familiar with him as one of the apostles, one of the disciples, and all of his you know, 
huge personality and the fact that he just would say whatever came to his mind. And then halfway through the book of Acts, the leadership shifts to a new man, a, a, a man who's converted on the road to Damascus after he has tried to kill Christians. And his name was Saul, and it was changed to Paul. And Paul then, for the second half of the book of Acts, becomes the leading figure in the early church. And the, the second half of the book of Acts tells of three of his journeys around the Mediterranean, the, the then known world, uh, preaching in all of the major cities, preaching about Jesus Christ and who he was and what he does and what a difference he makes. And so we read these letters. The letters are addressed to the Christians in the cities or in the region. Galatia isn't a city, it's a region. So Galatia, Ephesians, Ephesus, another major city. Philippians, Philippi, another city in the middle, ancient Middle East where the church was established. And you can read about it in Acts chapter 16. Paul travels to Philippi. <coughs> He uh, meets some people there. He tells them about Jesus. They become Christ followers. And so after he establishes the church, he puts somebody else in charge and he goes on to the next city, right? And the next and the next. And then he does something very cool, something that has blessed all of our lives. He writes back to each of those cities and he writes them a letter. And he says, this is what you need to know in your setting, in your circumstances. This is important information about what it means to follow Jesus. And so he writes to his friends at Philippi, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You can find joy no matter what. Four chapters, one letter, written from a prison cell, most likely in Rome, by Paul, under arrest, facing possible execution. And in this one letter, he mentions to rejoice or to be filled with joy at least 12 times. 12 times in four chapters. I think he means it, don't you? I think he means it. You can find joy no matter what. So I got thinking about all the different ways that the letter to the Philippian Christians tells us we can find joy. I only had time for three of them today because in second service, we're going to baptize some people. We're going to dedicate a baby. And uh, so I've got a little shorter sermon than usual. Right, is that okay with you? One of my favorite uh, pastor cartoons is of the congregation after the service carrying the pastor out on, the, on their shoulders. And, it, and the caption says, it was only 20 minutes. <laughs> so <laughs> I know that's not gonna happen today, but anyway, uh, in our spirit, right, in our spirit. 
So the first thing Paul says about finding joy is we find joy through prayer, through prayer partners, through people that pray for us and we pray for them. Does anybody here need prayer? Anybody have a challenging job? Anybody have kids? Anybody have parents? Right? I mean, we all need prayer. We need people who you know, know us by name, know our story, know our journey, and are willing to pray for us. I thank my God in all my prayers for all of you with joy. I was noticing that on the Davison Free Methodist Church uh, website, we have a prayer page. On our Facebook uh, setup, we also have a dedicated prayer page. And it is used probably more than any other part of our church's uh, online presence. Uh, and you have to be a member to use it. So I don't know if you're signed up for that yet. There's 218 of us who are on the Davison Free Methodist Prayer page. And if you're not, you just send a, a request and one of the pastors will let you in. And then you can be part of our prayer partnership. Praying for one another. Praying for encouragement. Praying for strength. Um, praying for blessing, praying for wisdom. It's a beautiful thing to know that somebody's praying for you. Uh, my home church is in Niagara Falls, Ontario, Canada. It's called Queensway Free Methodist. It's not that large a church, um, but it's been a solid church for many years. And one of the nice things, whenever we go there, there are people to this day who say, you know, Glenn, I pray for you every day. I remember you. I know you're in ministry. So because of that historic connection in Christ, because they saw me grow and, and commit my life to Christ, they remember and they pray for me. I, I can't tell you how special that is. And I know many of you pray faithfully for your pastor. And I know you're about to have a new lead pastor. Did anybody hear that? He's an awesome guy, Pastor Shane. Uh, I just thought I would take the challenge right now. Why don't you pray for him every day? Pray for Pastor Shane every day. But one of the interesting things about prayer in the 21st century North American church is this. If you're in a small group or a Sunday school class or with a bunch of friends and somebody says, does anybody have... A prayer request? 90% of the time, our reaction is this. Who do I know that's sick? Right? It's just a, it's, a, it's kind of an odd thing when you stop to think about it. It's like, okay, who do I know that's sick? That's my prayer request. Now, if you know somebody that's sick and needs your prayers, pray, pray, pray. That prayer page is full of people praying for someone who needs a physical touch. And isn't it great when... God hears and answers that prayer. Amen, brother. We've been praying for you. Um, but you know, there's a lot of other things we can pray about, isn't there? Isn't there? Like that list I mentioned earlier, praying for wisdom, praying as a parent, praying for your marriage, praying for that of, of close friends, knowing the season they're in and the stuff they're going through. God, would you give them strength? Would you give them grace? Would you give them wisdom? Would you give them patience? Being people of prayer is a powerful, powerful thing. And when we experience 
a community of prayer partners. I'm praying for you, and you're praying for me. Something bigger than any one of us begins to happen. There's a spiritual vitality that comes from that. There's a sense of joy that comes from that. There's a Paul says that he appreciates their partnership from the first day until now. So I'm kind of in this reflective era in my life as a pastor. From the first day until now. From the first congregation I served in a small town in Western Canada until now. From the first day Nancy and I came to Davison, Michigan, beautiful downtown Davison, right? And met many of you, and you met us, and we started this journey together from the first day until now. We've been in partnership together. So I was thinking about that. The partners who have made this ministry what it, what it is through their prayers, right? And their service and their encouragement. People who serve in our nursery in early childhood, Mary and her team. People who serve down there, Miss Mickey's down there right now with our, with our elementary school kids, right? Blessing them, what a blessing. <clears throat> Praying for them. Uh, a moment ago we heard from Pastor Cody, middle school, high school. Uh, everybody who's led a small group or been in a small group. Everyone who's been part of the men's ministry, you know, it's, it's really an amazing ministry that this church has. Every month, breakfast for a bunch of guys, and uh, God meets with us, and we encourage each other. How cool. Thank you for everybody who's been part of that. The women's ministry coming up here in a couple weeks. Serve our city. Has anybody here ever served on a serve team in that day? Can I see your hand? Anybody? Thank you. You have been partners in ministry, and I'm looking forward to at least... Uh, you know, one more with you guys here in a couple weeks. Thank you. We are partners together. And it's bigger than just showing up and sitting in a pew. Or saying, you know, I'm part of Davison Free Methodist Church. It's a spiritual reality. We are one in the bond of love. And we pray for one another. Would you pray for me? As I pray for you. Lord God, right in the middle of my message today, I just pray that you would touch our lives and connect our spirit. Help our church to be a church that prays for each other. We pray for Pastor Shane and Mary and their family. We pray a special blessing of strength and encouragement you know the preparations Pastor Shane is doing right now for the season when he will be the lead pastor here. We thank you for him. We thank you for them. Encourage and strengthen and inspire them during this season. Lord, we think about every ministry that I mentioned a moment ago. You know those who are leading and those who are serving. We pray a special blessing on them. Like, like the Apostle Paul said, they are partners in the gospel from the first day until now. Lord, a few moments ago, Pastor Cody reminded us of pretty much everybody on our staff here. 
said something about each person. And so we, re we remind you today of the team that you have gathered together here at Davison Free Methodist Church. Would you bless this team and would you strengthen this team moving forward? Whatever comes next for each one of us, Lord, we commit it to you. We commit one another to you. And thank you that across the miles, no matter where we go, no matter what we do, you make us one. And so we thank you and bless you and pray this all in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. We are so blessed to have Pastor John Benes leading our prayer ministry. I think one of the best decisions I ever made was hiring Pastor John. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> give it up. <laughs> and you know, he's not going anywhere. And he does an incredible job. Every Tuesday, that team meets. They go through all the prayer requests that come in on the cards, plus anything else that we're aware of. Uh, many, many kinds of prayer ministry. And so I just want to encourage you to lean into that, to take advantage of that, to pray that God will teach us to pray as a church. Because you find joy, the Apostle Paul says, the letter to the Philippians. You find joy in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy. The next thing he says is the beginning of chapter 2, Paul says we become joyful as we become like-minded. I like this passage, Philippians 2, 1 through 4. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ... If any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but to but each other, uh, each of you, to the interest of of others. What a powerful passage. Don't be all about yourself, be about other people. And you've all seen the acrostic, right, for joy, J-O-Y, Jesus, others, you. <laughs> I like that. Isn't that true? Jesus, others, you. You know, when we put ourselves first and look out for number one, we invite a whole bunch of uh, heartache and strife. We get competitive. We get crosswise. But when we put others ahead of ourselves, as it says here in Philippians chapter 2, something else begins to happen. The Holy Spirit works in a powerful way. I've seen it so many times over and over again when I give up my rights and my claim and my tastes and my preferences. And I lay them down and I say, I want what we want. I want what God wants. More than I want what I want. Didn't somebody pray that? Not my will, but yours be done. And when we pray that, and when we mean that, God does something very special. We become united, like-minded in Christ. I remember as a young pastor kind of thinking about that passage saying, well, it's not same-minded. It's not like zombie-minded, right? It's not like a church where everybody thinks and acts and does everything exactly in lockstep, you know? It's not that. It's like-minded. Like-minded means 
I'll see things the way the other person sees them. Like-minded means because I'm in love with Jesus, then if somebody else is in love with Jesus, that automatically brings us together even though we might disagree about something. This is my fifth church, fifth congregation. Uh, Nancy and I were talking the other day. She said, you know, Glenn, every congregation has been just the right church at just the right time. But none of them have been perfect. I was there. You know what I mean? And the, none of them have been perfect. You were there. You're here. Like, we're not perfect people. We're not a perfect church. But we choose. Here's the deal. We choose to move together. If there's any... Well, let's go back to that scripture because oh, there's nothing over there. All right, let's go over here. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ. All right, does anybody here qualify for that one? If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ. that It doesn't apply to you if you haven't been encouraged by Jesus. If any comfort from his love. Anybody been through a hard time, been hurt, been disappointed, felt Christ's comfort? Then this applies to you, okay? If you've been encouraged, if you've been comforted, if you have a sense of the Spirit, God's Spirit in your life, if he has shown tenderness and compassion to you, okay? That's the, those are the people to whom this applies. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Wow. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. That's how to have happy church, friends. That's how to have a happy life. That's how to find joy no matter what. I choose it. I choose you. I choose us. I choose peace. I choose harmony. I choose uh, to get along in faith, to give up myself and to elevate others. And watch what happens. Watch what happens. And then the last thing that uh, I want to emphasize today from Paul's letter to the Philippian Christians comes from chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. Um, about a year ago now, our youngest grandson memorized the Bible verse. Uh, guess what, what it was? Verse 14 and 15. Do ev would you read this out loud with me? Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Let's do that again. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Thank you. God, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then you will be able to boast on the day of Christ that you did not run or labor in vain. So how much of life are we supposed to do without grumbling? Uh, the second word in that verse, doesn't that just drive you crazy? 
do, ever, do everything without grumbling or complaining? I mean, uh, okay, help me out here. Would you just say the word grumble? Just say it out loud. Go and say it again. And again. And again. What does that sound like? Grumble, 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 grumble. It's onomatopoeia, right? A word that, that the sound of the word expresses what it means. Uh, did anyone in the Bible ever get in trouble for grumbling? Did you ever hear about the children of Israel in the Old Testament, 40 years in the desert? Did you know that their major sin was grumbling against God? I mean, is grumbling really bad? Is it really that big a deal? Yes. Is grumbling about as uh, common as air? <laughs> I mean, grumbling, grumbling is just a thing. It's just, it's, we treat it like no big deal, right? And, and here's what I know, grumbling feeds on itself. You know, in the Old Testament, when they were walking in the desert and they got upset and got discouraged, you know what they said to Moses? Let's go back to Egypt. It wasn't so bad. <laughs> yes, it was. You were slaves. It was horrible. But you forgot how bad it was because you're complaining and you're grumbling. Uh, grumbling about today makes the good old days, you know, the bad old days seem like the good old days, right? And then they, then they complain because, well, this, this walk to freedom that we're on is taking too long. And yet here we have this miracle of God protecting them, providing for them, guiding them every day. And yet they miss it, right? A spirit of grumbling makes you miss today's blessing. A, a spirit of grumbling makes you focus on what's wrong instead of on what's right, instead of on what God has done and on what God is doing. You want to find more joy? Don't grumble. Declare this a grumble-free zone. De declare your car, declare your house a grumble-free. When you hear yourself starting to grumble, what do you say? I'm sorry, Lord. Help me be thankful. Help me be thankful for the blessings of my life. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. Um, have you ever felt like you weren't maybe as bright a witness as you could have been? I have. Like, you know, maybe if I had a bigger stage, maybe if, I, if uh, there was a TV interview tonight with you, you know, and you got to tell everybody about Jesus, you know, look, look at what he says. You will shine like a star in the sky if you just stop grumbling. People at work will wonder, what happened to them? They stopped grumbling. Your family and friends will say, what's going up with them? They're not grumbling. Uh, it is so unusual to not grumble that the Bible says it'll make you a star. How do you find joy? You pray for other people and you get them to pray for you. You choose to be like-minded. You choose to get along. You choose to live beyond yourself. It's not just about me. And you choose to be thankful when you feel like you want to grumble. And in the journey, you find joy. The worship team's going to come. We're going to close. And I'd like to pray for you. Lord God, I thank you so much for your word today. The things you teach us.
as practical as they are. I pray for anybody here today who's having a hard time finding joy. For whatever reason, you know the things that distract us and discourage us, that frustrate us. And, and so, God, today I pray for those of us who are struggling that you would give us a greater sense of joy. First of all, by teaching us to pray. You tell us to pray about everything. You, you say that if we lack wisdom, we should ask. In fact, you tell us that Jesus Christ himself intercedes for us at the right hand of the Father in heaven. Someone's praying for us by name. So we lay our junk, our stuff, our worries, our troubles, our anxieties, our fear, our stress, we lay it at your feet. Teach us to pray. Help us to find a friend who will pray for us and with us. Teach us to get along. Teach us to be one, like-minded. May we be more in love with Jesus than we are with anyone or anything else. And may all the little stuff fall away. Forgive me when I grumble. Change my heart. Change my mind. Change my words. Change my ways. Lord, we have so much to be thankful for today. So many blessings from your amazing goodness and grace. Put our focus there. May we speak about you and your, your amazing, abundant blessing more than anything else in our lives. And in the journey, may we find you, and in you, may we find joy. I pray for anybody here today who's feeling far from you, or maybe has never yet connected with you, that today would be our day to say, Lord, I give you my life. I need you. You are the source of all joy. Come and live your life in me. Forgive me and make me new. God, I believe when we pray and mean that prayer, you hear and answer it. So thank you for everything you've done here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and let's sing.